I'd like to introduce you to Jean. Can you pronounce your last name, Jean? Taglia Labori. Means cut work, by the way. Can anybody repeat that last name? Jean uh, was uh, talking at a meeting that I was at, and uh, his mother, the subject of his mother, came up, and he talked with such um, such a uh, a glow, I guess you would call it, about his mother. I thought this could be a good topic for us, uh, and so. Um, Gene, can you tell us about your mother? Well, first of all, her name was Mary, which I feel very good about. And uh, she was born and raised in Louisiana. And my father, at that time, came to Louisiana from the old country. They obviously got married, and they moved up to Chicago where their work was. Can you all hear it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, my sister came along first. She's eight years older than I am. She's dead and gone now, but nevertheless, she had a lot of push on me as much as my mother. My mother was a gem. Uh, you know, a lot of the realization doesn't hit you until you get older. I'm 77 years old, and I got a lot of water that's run by me. And uh, as time progressed, uh, my mother was always anxious uh, and, and trying to not push me, but always uh, there for any time any problems occurred with me. I can remember one time and this is what I spoke the other day about uh, my mother being a very big influence on me. Uh, we lived in an apartment building where Cabrini Green sits right now. And uh, I used to go to church. There was a small church right down the street that I went. My mother and dad didn't go to church. They were Catholic. My mother was one of nine people, so there had to be some Catholicism put in there somewhere. And uh, there was one time it was during the Second World War that I really remember real well. I was only seven years old then, and uh, the time came where she wanted me to go to the store. Corner stores were all over the place. There was nothing like we've got today. So she, we had a booklet, and all I remember was a booklet of either was, it was some kind of stamps, rationing stamps, or some kind of stamps. So she gave me the booklet. She said, Eugene, go get such and such and so and so. So I pulled my little wagon. It wasn't a radio flyer, but it was awful close to it. It was a small job. Went to the corner store, which wasn't very far away. Went in there, bought what I had to buy. And if I remember right, they didn't have a bag to put your groceries in. My mother was a seamstress. She ultimately was a sore and a half. Anyway, she made me one of these little canvas type, I don't know if it was vinyl or not, but it was canvas. Put the groceries in there. The clerk eventually became a cousin of mine, but nevertheless, she put the stuff in there and I walked away. Well, I had this booklet with me and they took out a certain amount of stamps, a certain amount of coupons, whatever it was, and I jolly walked back to the house, got to the bottom of the stairs, my mother was waiting for me, and uh, we were ready to bring this, we were living in the second, it was a it was a first story, but it was two stories high because there was a manu Love Manufacturing Company, and I remember that was down below us. It was a machine shop. Got to the bottom of the stairs, and she grabbed the grocery. She says, Eugene, where's the book? I said, what book? She says, the book, the coupon book. I says, Katie took it. And that was the gal that was behind the counter. And she gave it back to you. I said, I don't remember. I was only seven years old. And she looked at me. She says, what do you mean you don't remember? I says, I don't. So 
We both walked back to the grocery store. She asked, Katie was the gal's name, did you give Eugene his book back? And she, and she said, yes. And I looked at my mother and I said, number one, I don't know what I did with the book. So we walked back home and on the way home when we got to the bottom of the stairs, she started to cry. I never saw my mother cry before. I only saw her cry one other time. Uh, and then she started to cry to the point where I was just totally baffled by why. What was she crying about? She was crying because that particular book was a month ration for buying whatever food that that book could buy, along with money. So I kind of looked at her, and I, I remember her crying so much that she went to the floor on her hands and knees. And I felt real bad about that. And I got down on my hands and knees with her. And I started to cry. Well, she looked at me and started smiling, and then the both of us hugged one another and stood up. That's still in me. Never forgot. When Jean told me that story, it sounded like um, a lesson. When he told me also about the rest of his life and the kind of work he did, a thought that clicked in my mind was, delivering value and um, suffering for another. Uh, can you tell us, I've got a, Gene's got a great story, he'll be, he'll be around later, but we got to kind of move it along. So um, can you tell us, now we're going to fast forward into the work experience, can you tell us about your boss, just briefly? His name was George Eisenberg. If you look in the internet, you'll see Eisenberg, he's, not him, but his... <coughs> money that he was a philanthropical individual but once again you don't know this these are all the things that kind of happen over a period of time and he donated to Catholic charities and he was as Jewish as Jewish could get he had deep pockets never give us a raise until we really had to hit him on whatever particular Yom Kippur or whatever day it was and he knew it day of atonement he knew the day we were going I was going to hit him for a raise but anyway he did donate quite a bit to Catholic charities he knew quite a few dignitaries in the Catholic Church, downtown, archdiocese and all that. And he also was one of the, one of the originators of the Springfield breadline in Springfield, Illinois. He probably encouraged me a lot more than I realized. Uh, although, I, I don't know, sometimes you wonder, he was the boss and all that, and I, you know, it was no big deal to me. He was, I worked for him. This is where I made my living. And uh, many times he picked up on me, he f not followed me around, but every time I was, and I was an electrician, I had gone into the service, I learned how to fix fighter planes, I was in a fighter squadron, had all kinds of wonderful things that occurred. He can probably attest to that because he was an Air Force pilot. Anyway, uh, he kind of encouraged me many, many times, and, and I felt pretty good about that, and I always did my job, and I did it real well. These are some of the some of the instincts, some of the priorities I had from my mother, because she was not an expert in anything, but she had more savvy than a lot of people that I knew that really didn't care what the heck they did. They just went on. So that was instilled in me. You got to remember now. This there's a lot of years in between that your your faith doesn't really pick up on you. And I heard the other day that sometimes uh, it takes a lifetime for your faith to really get to you. Well, it's gotten to me in the last five or six years since I've been going to Bible study with a lot of the people, some of the people that are here. 
they got little stories. I probably got more most of the time. But as I got into the business of manufacturing decals, and I've got some here, and I got involved in the cigarette tax stamp division. And all that meant at the time was every package of cigarettes that was sold had to have an identity on it, which amounted to a stamp. Are you talking about a stamp from my little booklet that I went to the store with? I'm still in the stamps, but at a later time. And uh, I got into the manufacturing that and the developing of it. Now he, George, thought I could handle it, and every time he gave me something, I really didn't back off. My wife kept pushing me, and she said, you know how to do this. I didn't go to college or none of that, but I had the common sense that a lot of us do have, but you never really, you don't think about it. And I uh, went to St. Philomena Church. I was involved in the, whatever was activities going on in church. So I wasn't disconnected from that. My wife and I had four children and uh, seven grandchildren now. But nevertheless, as far as my work ethics were, I got to the point where I was in charge of the entire cigarette tax stamp division, which was pretty good size. Went all over the country, and I traveled all over the country. And I had to represent my boss in a lot of places with a lot of revenue people. There was an awful lot of revenue people that didn't exactly like us, other than the fact that our name was American Decal. They couldn't back out of that because they obviously listened to us. And there was one particular instance at the end of my career. This is after Mr. Eisenberg had passed on. The company was uh, left to the Mayo Clinic. He was a very big admirer of, of, of Mayo Clinic. Matter of fact, he was at that time, he was the highest donor to Mayo Clinic. A bronze bust of him is right now, and the hospital is right next to the clinic part of it. I don't know what the name of it is, but there's a bronze bust, and I was there when they dedicated that whole thing. Went there a lot of times. Anyway, obviously he thought a lot of me because he did invite me, along with the other, some of the other fellows that were involved in some of the divisions. And finally, uh, toward the end of my little career with uh, Decal, Mayo took over. When they took over, they knew absolutely nothing about what we were doing. So obviously they had to rely upon the people that had been there for a number of years. Well, they made me one of the chief honchos of the whole place. I wasn't exactly happy with it, but I did it anyhow because it was relatively easy. Everybody knew what they were doing. We only could hold on to the company for five years because whatever the reason was, he doesn't want to hear anymore. <laughs> I do want to hear more. In particular, I'd like to hear uh, about was there a particular instance um, where your mother played a um, kind of a, a side side role, but a role in, in in your job? I think the tail end of my career, she came in. She didn't come. She was had passed on by then. But her her name came into the picture simply because I was involved in a, uh, a, a bidding for a stamp in the state of Louisiana. She was from Louisiana. I never thought about that when I went down to Baton Rouge. And I was with one of the selected presidents that Mayo had selected. Got into the room about half this size with all kinds of people in there, revenue people, uh, wholesalers. These were all involved in cigarette, cigarette sales, candy, stationery, you name it. They sold it all. Well, my competitor <coughs> resisted the fact that although we were the low bidder, he insisted that we were not capable of manufacturing to the degree that Louisiana wanted. While the president that was with me knew nothing about 
the business at all other than just officiating being the president. I knew about the whole product from one end to the other. So in the process of having all this little conversation, uh, I was constantly being bombarded with questions about how the numbering system, just, it was a whole host of things that they just kept bombarding me with, and I always had an answer because it wasn't a problem. I didn't have to remember, I don't have to remember anything right now, matter of fact, because it's still embedded in my mind, fortunately. So they kept pounding on me as far as uh, sending and descending numbers, and each little stamp is only half inch square. I got samples of them with me. We used to put a four-digit number in there, and in the process, there was 30,000 of these things on one little roll. That's how uh, most of these states make a lot of their money on cigarette tax. They still do it, but not as the degree they did it then. So my competitor kept coming up with the, the, the we couldn't possibly, they couldn't possibly decipher all these things that, that was in my stamp as opposed to theirs. Well, I admitted the fact that they had a better numbering system, but I had a better way of calculating. The only thing you had to do was add two zeros and multiply by three. And then somebody come up and say, well, what's three times 77? You know, they, 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 they were bombarding me with a lot of questions and I couldn't answer it. And I looked at the guy and I pointed to him. Now, this is a revenue Now, you want a director. I said, don't be a wise guy. And this is in front of a lot of people that I shouldn't have been saying that. About that time, Tommy's sitting next to me and he's kicking me in the legs, telling me to basically shut up because I was getting people in trouble, myself in trouble. So I didn't really feel that I was going to shut up. So before you know it, I stood up and everybody's wondering why. Tommy didn't know what I was going to do. And I looked at everybody, I said, are the people in Texas smarter than the people in Louisiana? And everybody didn't say boo. I says, are the people in Arkansas, next state, are they smarter than the people in Louisiana? Nobody said anything. I says, I detest the fact that you people think that the people of Louisiana are so stupid that they can't do the same thing we sell to Texas, we sell to Arkansas. I says, you're calling my mother stupid because she was born and raised in Bossier City, Louisiana, right here. Well, they all just kind of sat back, stood up. Tommy kicked me once again, stood up and says, we withdraw. <laughs> he, he wanted to pull out because I was making a spectacle of myself, but he, this, these people just irritated me. They got up, we shot the breeze a while, they started quizzing me. I didn't have no problem with it at all. Then the director wanted to have a meeting. So we had a meeting after the fact, believe it or not, the director apologized to us because they were raking me over the coals with all these questions. Fortunately, I had answers, but he just did a good number on me. And at the end of that, I looked at the director, I said, we'll be back next year, and you'll know who we are. And we were back next year. And I, I don't have a sample of that, but we printed that little square stamp with the pelican in the middle of it because that was their, sta that was their state bird. With the number right in front of it, I spent a lot of time in, in, in New Orleans, believe me. After that, we started installing equipment, and that's that. <laughs> Notice that um, the people that Gene had worked with, Gene had his own system, and that the, the people who were running this knew how to run it. And so he was taking, remember that story of his mother? Uh, the dignity, she, she did not berate Jean. Um, she always respected his dignity. And, and as Catholics, um, sometimes our, our faith influences us in our profession and how we treat other people. 
and he might have had a righteous anger that they were saying that the people who were going to be running this these, this equipment could not do the job. And that's what objected oh, yeah. to. Can you tell us uh, some values that your mother instilled in you that you might like to share with the audience? Just her determination. Uh, you know, it was only my sister and myself. So I don't know if that was a problem. I was always the chosen. Matter of fact, that came up in one of the Bible. Song of Songs, they said, Mother's Choice. And I picked up on that right away. That's when I started talking about, I was the chosen one as far as she was concerned. I was her favorite. My sister never let me forget it. <laughs> never let me forget it. Even my brother never let me forget it. And I didn't feel bad about it. Of course, she can't defend herself now because she's not here anymore. But uh, there was a lot of things uh, that uh, my, my, my mother instilled an awful lot of things in me. And I, I imagine most, most of the women that are mothers know what I'm talking about, especially when their son or daughter respond in such a way that it is a positive. And uh, <coughs> I don't know, it's just she was, she was just a gem. And uh, that I never forgot. And she only went to sixth grade. Thanks, Gene. We'll open it up to questions now uh, that anybody might have about Gene and about his work, some, something that he left out. I got samples. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a salesman, but I was close. So, did you ever recover the sample? No, no, never did find it. Never did find it. Uh, and I really don't know. I never, until I got older, realized that was the month supply of however the heck they distributed them. During the Second World War, they did a lot of things that we haven't even a clue of what's going on now. A lot of things going on politically now, but it was a lot more acute then than it is now. Never had a car either. I remember wearing knickers, corduroy green knickers. This is a perfect day for that, too. I'll never forget that. Any other questions? Must have really been a sight, right? No pictures. There's not all these fancy cameras they got now. Wasn't even close. Thanks. Oh, there's Mary. Mary. <coughs> my mind is just simply that if these other states could have no problem, we, we made stands for the state of Texas for, my God, years and years. And I didn't feel at the time that these people understood, and I'm sure some of these people in that room knew what I was talking about. Because, you know, when you get into a state like that, when you're bordering, you do sell to the states alongside of you, and you do apply these stamps to the states. So they knew what was going on. So they were totally familiar with some of the things that I was, uh, they knew about, but they didn't, they didn't, they were just, they didn't want me, they didn't want our company to get in to manufacture this stuff because we were one penny less per thousand, which as business goes, that sometimes means a lot of money. Uh, I don't, you know, they were okay, it's just that it just got under my skin. 
And uh, my mother was like that too, by the way. <laughs> I guess that's where I got it from. She, she never, well, she told me a couple stories that I can't really repeat <laughs> because she was Italian and she was called a Dago a lot of times, and, but they never got away with it. <laughs> so maybe that kind of stuck with me too. Although I didn't <clears throat> think about that till just now. <laughs> Gene finished up on time. Thank you for Gene. <laughs>